1: Hello, everyone. Today, I am chatting with Allie Damron. Allie is a wife, mother to two sweet boys, a licensed acupuncturist, and a certified personal trainer. For the last eight years, she ran her own successful private practice as an acupuncturist. Over the last five years, she's taken her message to the online platform, where she does one-to-one consultations on women's health and hormones, offers digital courses, and has a podcast called The Allie Damron Show. In today's episode, we talk about her experience with acupuncture for women's health and hormones and her close work alongside OBGYN physicians, midwives, PAs, NPs, and other medical professionals. Let's dive in. Just a little disclaimer before we start this episode, this podcast does not provide medical advice. The information on this podcast is for informational purposes only. No material on this site is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment.
0: Hi, Allie. Hi, thanks so much for having me. How are you? I'm good.
1: I am thrilled to have you on because this is something that I know very little about as we were just chatting about. So just for everybody listening, why don't we start off with, so you have a pretty good background in acupuncture. How long did you do that for?
0: Um, About 10 years.
1: And now kind of explain what you switched into once COVID hit there.
0: Yeah. So I was really uh, lucky and fortunate that about four years ago, so about two and a half years before the pandemic, I actually started doing more of an online business uh, component to my practice. So I started doing virtual consults and digital courses and things like that around surrounding women's health and hormones too. And So when COVID hit, my kids were home for a really long time. And we were actually even just shut down by the state for a short amount of time. And so I came home Mm -hmm. and just really went all in on that. And um, now fast forward 18 months, and I am just doing virtual consults and virtual telehealth for full time now.
1: Awesome. Okay. So I as we as we mentioned earlier was looking into acupuncture when i had my back to back miscarriages a few years back and just had heard some really wonderful things about it and that it did work for some people so mm-hmm. can you just tell us you know how overall how have you been helping women with acupuncture
0: totally so in general, acupuncture is part of traditional Chinese medicine. And you probably know that we use like really, really hair thin, surgically sterilized needles. And it can do it's a whole system of medicine. Obviously, I know you are in the ER. So we do Mm -hmm. not do ER stuff. But we do do, you know, all of the other stuff. So preventative, uh, healthcare and chronic disease and pain and emotional health. And I just want to preface this whole conversation with that I do work a lot with Western medicine doctors, OBGYNs, reproductive endocrinologists, PCPs. And so I really do like to merge both of them together. And I've taken a very Western approach to this. So for me, I specialize more in like women's health, hormones, fertility, postpartum, those things. So I t- tend to do, you know, PCOS stuff, painful periods, unexplained infertility, ovulation disorders, um, really heavy periods for all of our women going through like the perimenopause time when their hormones feel kind of crazy, PMS for our teenage girls all the way through, you know, the whole gamut of women's ages with that. You know, we can talk about like fibroids and cysts, and just all the different kind of reproductive hormonal things that women go through at various stages and ages of their life.
1: Awesome. Yeah. So, what would you say? Is there something that was more common than others that you saw people for? Or Was it really just kind of?
0: Yeah, it's kind the of the same across the board. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when I did acupuncture, a lot of it was fertility, POS, a lot of anovulation, and a lot of actually unexplained infertility. So that was probably my primary practice. Now, I'm more virtual, I still do a ton of fertility, but I do a lot more like painful periods, really heavy periods, PMS, anxiety, those types of things too.
1: So Can you just walk us through, so say I'm your patient, okay, and I'm having um, infertility issues. What what does my visit look like? Is it once a week? Is it, you know, once a month? And then what does the actual appointment entail? Like, what would I expect?
0: Totally. So what I like to do is... Like I said, look at the Western part and the Eastern part. So I have my patients come in. If it's an initial appointment, I ask if you have had any blood work done, if you've gotten fertility stuff done, any testing, if we have any Western diagnostic data, any of that stuff. And that can kind of help me figure out, you know, hormonally what's going on so that we have a place to start. If you do have that, great. If you do not have that, that's okay too, because Chinese medicine actually diagnoses completely differently than Western medicine anyways. And so we, I just learned, and a lot of people in my same position have learned how to kind of put the two together. And so in Eastern medicine, we ask just so many questions. So even though you're coming in for maybe fertility work, I ask you about your mood and your sleep and your digestive system and your pain and your allergies, and your brain fog, and your energy level, I ask you like, head to toe, everything going on about you. And um, through that, I can really put together a really good picture in both Eastern and Western, like, okay, so this hormones off, which is causing this hormone to be off, which is probably causing this to be off. And and then we can sort of start to, I call it like peel the layers off the onion, just start of peel everything off and, and start to treat you. So I use what I call the five pillars to hormone health. So obviously when I was in my office, I did do the needles and the acupuncture, which you had asked what that looks like. And usually for that, it's about 10 to 20 needles, depending on the practitioner should be very painless and For the menstrual cycle, for treating that specifically, I like to do it weekly because there's actually four Mm -hmm. different weeks of a menstrual cycle, right? So we have like the first week of bleeding, and then we have the week gearing up for ovulation, and then we have the week after ovulation, and then we have the week before our period. And there's all of these different hormonal swings and shifts that are happening in those four weeks. And so I like to hit each of those weeks in a treatment uh, with, with needles. Now, if we're not doing needles and we're just doing like virtual or some people just came to my office and just didn't want to do acupuncture, they actually just Mm -hmm. do like nutrition, Chinese medicine stuff. we talk about nutrition um, and making sure, you know, that you're eating in a way that's going to support your hormones. So, and obviously that's different for everybody. Somebody who has PCOS Mm -hmm. might need to eat a little bit differently than somebody who has hypothalamic amenorrhea or, you know, really heavy periods versus really light periods or, or things like that. And so I just help people. Of determine what foods would be good. We talk a lot about nutrition and what that looks like. Exercise is part of that, making sure that you're exercising in a way that's going to support your hormones and not be detrimental to them. Um, We talk about sleep and sleep hygiene, how important that is. If you're having trouble sleeping, obviously we get deeper into that. We talk about Like the stress response. So, I'm huge in thinking about cortisol, our stress hormone, and how that impacts the whole uh, rest of the endocrine system or all of the different hormones. And so, we know that. If you respond to stress in certain ways and you're maybe a little bit more perfectionistic, type A, those types of personality characteristics, that can lead to a a higher cortisol or stress response. And so acupuncture itself is great to kind of calm down your nervous system. But we also talk about different ways throughout your lifestyle that you can do that too. And then if needed, if necessary, we can use some herbs, supplements, vitamins, minerals, those types of things to support the entire process.
1: This is so interesting. So, can you? So, if you are working with, say, an OBGYN, when do they typically get you involved? Is it more when they think it's appropriate or when the patient asks? Or
0: it depends on the OBGYN. You know, yeah. I, I have good relationships with several of them here, and I think a lot of them will. It depends on the, on the OBGYN. A lot of them will have me get involved. Like when the patient comes and says, Hey, I'm having trouble getting pregnant. They're like, okay, let's do our Western medicine tests, like our luteinizing hormone and our follicle stimulating Mm -hmm. hormone, estradiol, all those things. Let's, you know, maybe do some ultrasounds and things like that, but then also go to acupuncture because acupuncture has been studied in a lot of different ways to help reduce inflammation, calm your nervous system down, improve egg quality, improve blood flow to your endometrial lining and uterus, all kinds of different things that we can get into if you want to. So a lot of them start there. Some of them start later. And a lot of actually reproductive endocrinologists tend to encourage acupuncture faster, actually. Um, And a lot of different fertility clinics actually employ acupuncturists or have acupuncturists come in for their patients, especially for patients Mm. who are doing like IVF, IUIs. There's a lot of research around that that shows due to its increase in blood flow, we can see that on ultrasound. If we put needles in certain areas, we can actually measure your PI flow Mm. on ultrasound and see like, okay, this is increasing blood flow, which is going to increase your risk or your your chance, I should say, of conception.
1: So interesting. So have you seen as a whole, well, actually first I wanted to say, can we link, can you send me some of the studies and we can link to some of yeah. them in the show notes? I think people sure. would really love to see that. And then how, I mean, obviously you don't have a number or anything like that, but when it comes to fertility, have you seen, you know, success stories like throughout the the years that you've been doing this? Like,
0: mm-hmm. I've seen so many beautiful success stories. I really and truly from the bottom of my heart can say that. I have seen people who have tried all the different ways from IV getting into IVF and stuff that go on to have babies. I've seen people that have had failed IVF cycles that then employ acupuncture and Chinese medicine as part of their IVF cycle that go on to have live healthy babies I've seen people who, you know, decide not to go into more reproductive endocrinology and get pregnant. So yes, I've seen so, so, so many. And, you know, I think that that's one of the um, reasons that I really started doing more fertility work was because it is hard. It's very emotionally taxing mm, for yeah. patients and practitioners. And you see some really terrible things too, of course, but there is nothing like, Watching that process, it's it's a beautiful thing.
1: Yeah, i I, I will s- kind of tell you this. I so when I was having those issues with the two miscarriages, and then I was like, okay, something's not right. And I we had realized, you know, my cycle was just it was just way too short. And so we had tried introducing a bunch of different things because we, you know, we figured my estrogen was just like through the roof, which is obviously very common postpartum and especially postpartum after a bunch of kids. So, uh, you know, we threw in like some Vitex and we threw in a bunch of other like vitamin C, I believe, and, and mm-hmm. a few other things. So is that kind of what you're talking about when you, when you say like you're introducing like herbals and others, th- would that be considered more of like Chinese medicine?
0: Yeah. So there's lots of different ways. So there's Chinese herbs that actually do come from China. They're all, uh, you know, vetted and tested for heavy metals and things like that. So they're safe. But there is Chinese medicine formulas that work wonderfully. There's Western herbs that we can use, like Vitex and Chastry Berry would be an example of a Western herb. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then there is, like you said, like vitamin C, minerals, things like that, too. Mm-hmm. So I have studied kind of like the whole gamut of it and kind of use all of them.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought, I mean, well, <laughs> For what it's worth, I was taking it for a month and then ended up keeping that third pregnancy, which oh, is my fourth baby, good. Yeah. yeah, so I did find that it i mean obviously worked
0: <laughs> yours. Awesome. yeah,
1: yeah, so obviously this is uh, this is an issue, like hormone imbalances, and i I truly believe mm-hmm. that was obviously the issue with me trying to get pregnant this this fourth time. Why do so many women struggle with that?
0: So I think it's a multifaceted approach. I think that, you know, we know how much stress plays a huge role. And obviously, over the last 18 months, there's been no shortage of stress. And so when we think about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hormones in general, I like to think about it as a pyramid. So if we're going to talk about like Western and how we diagnose this, I like to think about hormones in terms of a pyramid. And at the very bottom or the foundation of that pyramid is going to be cortisol, your stress hormone adrenaline, your fight or flight hormone, and insulin, which is your blood sugar hormone. Mm-hmm. And so all of those three things, if they're in a good place, then that kind of leads up to your other hormones. So there's things like pregnenolone and progesterone and estrogen and DHEA, testosterone, a lot of these other sex hormones. And we have you know 200 and some, they're discovering new hormones all the time. Hormones in our body, but I think as a root, those are the three that I really look at first. And by ants or by asking all of those questions, I told you that I ask people, I can start to see kind of where things are. Now, obviously, there's testing, and I do do some testing on those hormones, uh, both through blood, saliva, urine, depending on what we need to know, and so we have a more objective measure, but. A lot of times by people's symptoms, you can see like, okay, cortisol is probably off, like sleep is off, energy's off, you know, blood sugar, we get hangry, we get jittery, we, mm-hmm. we eat a lot, we have sugar cravings, like those things are kind of symptoms of those being off. And so I start there and I'm like, okay, let's get these three things in check. And then let's see what happens with your progesterone symptoms and your estrogen symptoms. Like you said, you had a 20 day cycle, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you had a short cycle. So that is sort of a sign, a big red flag that your estrogen is high. So then, you know, we'd look at that. And like I said, I sort of like to just peel the layers off. So obviously we'd like to start working on that, that short cycle. In addition to working on stress relieving stuff, making sure your insulin's good, making sure your nutrition is supporting your egg quality and your ovaries and all of that stuff too. And just kind of work on it as a comprehensive way.
1: I really love how, I mean, depending on who your provider is, it doesn't always feel like they're getting the whole picture, right? So you go in, and I think that's part of the problem with, you know, I mean, our healthcare system is very broken as a whole, but, you know, to be able to go to your provider and, you know, say you have high blood pressure and it's like, okay, here's a medication, and they give you a prescription. And, okay, great. I mean, that prescription is probably going to do what it needs to do. But it would be also very cool to have somebody say, okay, why do we think this is all of a sudden becoming an issue? Is it stress? Is it this? Is it that? Let's try all of these approaches, you know? And we just don't do a lot of that. (laughs) And I don't even think insurance, depending on what it is, would cover that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you went to the doctor and you were diagnosed or provider, I need to say provider and they diagnose you with something it's not like okay so let's get someone involved that will look at the whole picture you know insurance is not going to be like oh okay uh sure i'll i'll cover i'll cover alley dameron right, you know to to yeah. go over this for us so that i think is is part of the issue as well but i think that it's it would really help out a lot if we were looking at the comprehensive picture a, a lot more than mm-hmm. you know just handing over you know something for something and not actually looking deeper into it you know
0: Yeah. No, I think, I think so too. I think that it's super helpful for a lot of these like more chronic type of conditions to really like look. And that's something that I do with a lot of my patients is when they come to me and they're like, okay, I have this going on and this going on, or I realize you know, you have high cortisol or your insulin's off or whatever. I I always am like, okay, but why? Like we can look at tests and we can see like, okay, your ovaries are, or your egg quality is low or whatever. But in my mind, I'm always like, okay, well, why? Like, is it genetic? Is it food? Is it lifestyle? Is it stress? Like what else is actually going on here? And I think that's super helpful. But I also think that I would say this to patients, like in my industry, unfortunately, there's a lot of people who sort of dog on Western medicine. And honestly, if you have an issue like with your liver, for example, like you're going to go want to see a liver specialist, like they're great. And they're going to get that, that you know problem solved for you and that doesn't right. mean that we have to you know abandon everything else that you're doing in a more comprehensive picture but that's why I just really like working together with MDs actually
1: well yeah and this is you know part of it i i i there there's room in the world for everybody <laughs> you know and i think there can be a happy medium of hey we don't just need to jump the gun. We can look at the whole picture, and there there can be other ways that we can. I mean, God, diet and exercise, talking to them about, like you said, nutrition, talking about you know certain ways for stress release and things like that. And I just don't think a we just well th- the healthcare systems as a whole are just so I mean so completely inundated right now. The last year and a half has really broken the healthcare system, and I don't think it's going to recover. Quite frankly, but. You know, providers don't have any time with their patients. I'm it, to forget about it. I mean, they they didn't before pandemic, and they certainly don't now. There's yeah. just too many people that need to be seen, and not enough people working. And there's just everybody mm-hmm. short-staffed. And it's such a shame because you know they, you know, patients can't get the care that they need. And mm-hmm. it would be such a beautiful thing for you know both Western and Eastern medicine to say, you know, like, hey, in which ways are we the same? And in which ways, you know, we obviously both want the same thing for our patients. And, you know, you're looking at it this way. I'm looking at it this way. Let's kind of marry these two together and create this like, you know, happy matrimony. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, kind of a, a long little tangent there, but yeah, okay,
0: I agree. 100%.
1: Yeah. So that's why before when we were, before we came on the phone call or the the interview, I was like, do you, you know, work with, you know, OBGYNs and stuff? And I... I think that that's so wonderful, you know, that they get you on board to kind of look more deeply into what could be going on because, I mean, everybody's so busy and it's just nice to have somebody else on the healthcare team that's saying, okay, like we do know that there could be a bigger picture here and this is how we're going to look into it. Yeah. Yeah. So, on average, like if somebody comes to you saying any type of a hormone imbalance, like how long does it typically take to, Correct
0: that. So one thing that happens to us, like physiologically, phys- I can't even say that word, physiologically, is that we have we're born as women with antral follicles, and these are like these these follicles that we're born with when we are going through puberty. Then they become more activated, and your body takes about a hundred takes them through about a hundred day cycle. So mm-hmm. the Follicles that you're ovulating today have gone through this 100-day cycle already. And so for that reason of what happens, I like to tell people, let's work on your menstrual cycle for three months, Mm -hmm. 90 days to 100 days. Sometimes it's 120. It's kind of people are disagreeing about that. But it's somewhere around that time frame. And so I always say, okay, let's get on the herbs for 90 days. Let's do this lifestyle stuff and let's see how it looks in 90 days. Now, hopefully if we're working on cramps and PMS and those types of things, which are also signs of hormonal imbalances or inflammation or something else going on. We can start to see like little glimpse of of hope that things are getting better as the cycles progress and a little bit better. Mm -hmm. But like I said, I like to give it at least 90 days and some women need to do it for about six months or so. And some women need to do it for nine months. But I would say the other aspect of this is if you're a lot of like functional medicine practitioners or, or different people will like have you do herbs or supplements or whatever for like years, like a really mm-hmm. long time. And I think that you really should be seeing something change, especially hormonally within about that 100 day period. If you're not seeing anything change at all, then you're probably not on the right protocol. And then,
1: would you just switch it up or w- at that yeah, point? Exactly. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So, I actually have like a, a bunch of questions kind of coming in. So, I'm actually going to switch over to this. So, and <laughs> I love this because a couple people are like, so let's see here. One of them says, I did this for infertility and I am a total believer. So, yeah. So, someone was asking, how often should I go to see results, specifically acupuncture, I think is mm-hmm. what they're referring to. So, and we kind of talked about this, you know, you're saying, you know, a hundred to 120 days or so, especially with like a menstrual cycle type. Did you only specifically work with women's health related issues? You said, yeah.
0: So I started actually as a practitioner more in like general health. So like in school, four year master's degree that we go through. So we learn all the systems, I started out doing everything from pain to allergies to immune system stuff, just reading colds and flu, you know, the whole gamut, migraines, all those different things. And I just really settled in on women's health. But to further answer her question, and I think I kinda answered this before, but I would go weekly for acupuncture. It's sort of like acupuncture is kind of like a, a dosing, right? So if you have a really acute issue, like back pain, for example, that's a common pain is a common thing that people use acupuncture for. Mm -hmm. Some people like to go like three times a week for like a week or two, really dose it up. And then, you know, those muscles calm down, the circulation improves all that stuff, and then, you know, space it out longer. So it's sort of like a PT thing. I think that's kind of how they work. In China, you know, sometimes they'll have people come like every single day. Now, in the US, we don't, do that because people can't do that. It's you know too cumbersome. But I would say for women's health stuff in general, once a week to start with is a really great thing. Now, does insurance
1: typically cover this at all? It you can. know, I mean, it yeah. depends.
0: There are there are movements to get acupuncture covered under insurance. Um, I used to take insurance: United Healthcare, Cigna, Blue Cross, Anthem. Okay. So you can find it. It depends on your plan. I still accept HSA and FSA.
1: Okay. Mm -hmm. Interesting, just to know. So let's see here. Can acupuncture help support other pregnancy-related things like SPD pain and discomfort? And for those listening, SPD stands for symphysis pubis dysfunction, which is miserable. (laughs) So is that something that you could treat?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So for my pregnant mamas, I have them... I like to see them like every trimester if everything's just going fine. And then kind of we, we pick it up a little bit more at the end for pre-birth acupuncture um, to help, you know, get an on-time labor. There's a lot of studies around that too. But in terms of like symptoms, so I used to treat a lot of with needles, like morning sickness, back pain, heartburn, indigestion, headaches and migraines, anxiety, insomnia, like all the common pregnancy-related ailments. Absolutely.
1: So, okay. So wait, back up a second. <laughs> you said you, that there's a lot of studies that support um, helping you have your baby come near or close to their due date. Mm-hmm. What? So what do you do? Is this just, you know, increasing blood flow to the area or what, what are you doing? Are you putting the needles differently somewhere? Explain. <laughs>
0: yeah, totally. So in the body, there's like over 300 acupuncture points and they all, if you Wanted like a Western definition of them or explanation. If you look on an MRI, like they all light up different parts of the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are maybe like 12 or so that are called contraindicated during pregnancy. We don't want to do those during pregnancy because of the blood flow aspect of them. But if you want to uh, ha- get a mom into labor, they're great to use that for. So um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who acupuncturists who do fertility pregnancy Women's health work that do offer these appointments where you go in. I used to start them about 38 weeks or so. So close. And it's not like Pitocin. It's not just going to like throw you into labor. After my, and during my pregnancy with my second baby, I was so ready to get him out. I was so uncomfortable. I mean, I just like went to town on myself with it. And it's (laughs) definitely not like Pitocin. But I will say that birth was lovely. It was, A great length, not super painful. I had great contractions between him and he was born on his due date. So I can vouch for that. But yeah, so it just kind of gets the blood flow going, encourages Mm -hmm. mom to have just a better labor on time, less interventions if that's the desired outcome, contractions more productive, just a better outcome in general.
1: Cool. Something I did not know about acupuncture. So let's see here. How about this? Can acupuncture help with third trimester swelling of the face and body? She says that her her diet is very clean.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I actually had a neighbor who uh, was pregnant about a year ago, and she would come over every few nights, and we would do that for her in her, in her late third trimester. There's a couple points that will um, kind of help reduce swelling and kind of make you urinate. You can act like as a diuretic sometimes. Mm. And help get that swelling down. So you'd obviously want to work with somebody who is certified and knows your situation, and things like that. But yes, there are ways to do.
1: That. Okay, so someone's asking, how can you find a good practitioner? So is is it is there a website they can go to, or is it typically you know like asking through your OB?
0: Yeah, there's a couple ways. So there's an organization that's called ABORM and it's the American Board of Reproductive Medicine. They are, um, you have to take an extra test. It's pretty intense and they are certified in women's reproductive medicine. So you Mm -hmm. can go on the ABORM website and see if there's one in your area. There are not a ton of practitioners that do this extra training, but if there are, that would be a great person to go to. Okay, If there's not one in your area, then I would. So number one, you want to make sure you're going to a licensed acupuncturist. So there are different other professions, chiropractors, physical therapists, things like that, that do do acupuncture. But mm-hmm. you really, especially for pregnancy and things like that, you really want somebody who's trained in this. Like I said, there's contraindicated points. There's certain ways to do things and treat pregnant women. Um, And so you want to make sure they have an LAC behind their name, which means they went through a four year master's degree and learned the proper needling techniques. From there, I would Google in your area like acupuncturist and then just look to see if they do women's health. Usually it's pretty obvious to be honest. Um if they do, it's usually they're pretty specialized in that. Mm-hmm. But if they're not, that doesn't mean they're terrible at women's health either even if they don't specialize in that. But I would just call them and just say, "Hey, this is my situation, I'm pregnant. Like do you treat pregnant women frequently? Like what's are you comfortable with that?" Most people are pretty honest. Either you kind of do or don't. Like, yeah. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I feel like if I was pregnant, I would definitely want someone like you. <laughs> yeah <laughs> has a lot of experience. I mean, just that's how I, that's I would just be more comfortable with that. all right. Let's see here. Any benefits to help with mood, irritability, especially postpartum?
0: Absolutely. I think I love doing postpartum acupuncture. It's so near and dear to my heart because there's so many moms who do struggle with that, and like the baby blues and things like that. Acupuncture can help um, increase serotonin and dopamine. It also can help relax that central nervous system. So your adrenaline, your cortisol, those types of things. It's wonderful for relaxation, mood support, energy, all the things that postpartum moms need.
1: I feel like I need to go to an acupuncturist now. See what happens after this conversation. (laughs) Are there any in Connecticut? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, really, I probably just need like 10 glasses of water every day and that would probably... Solve half my problems, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, no! But really, I mean, this is like along the lines of everyone should go see a pelvic floor physical therapist after labor. That totally. everybody should also
0: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. um, have a covered appointment with, you mm-hmm. know, an acupuncturist slash Chinese medicine practitioner. Is that what you would call yourself?
0: Yeah, licensed acupuncturist. I used to do home visits sometimes for pregnant moms and postpartum moms or just tell, encourage the moms to bring in their baby because I know it's, it's hard, right? To like, leave oh, yeah, child care. That was always, I mean, I obviously have two kids and I could do it for myself, but it, there is something better about going to somebody else and having it done and laying there. But it's hard to get out of the house when you have a newborn and if you have any other kids or things like that. Mm-hmm. So I would always encourage them to just bring the kids before COVID. I could hold the babies and- All was well. Yeah. There are 30 minutes of peace, but but yeah.
1: So let's see. Marlena, what is the science behind it other than stress relief? I can never find good data. So this is what I was saying is we will link in the show notes, if you don't mind, Allie, when we're We're you know, whenever just Mm -hmm. sending yeah, sending some stuff over. That would be great. And then of course we have a ton of questions about PCOS. Can acupuncture help with PCOS, which Mm -hmm. we Mm -hmm. talked about earlier, which it definitely can. Now, somebody that has PCOS, what are you looking at as far as, you know, starting to see some relief and results with that? Is that the same Mm -hmm. 100 to 120 days?
0: Yeah. So with PCOS, PCOS is an interesting one because it's a syndrome, right? So there's not just like one thing that you're diagnosing. Like you kind of got to look at it in a holistic way. And there's kind of four different types of PCOS. So there's, you know, the estrogen component, the testosterone or androgen Mm -hmm. component the insulin or blood sugar glycemic component, and then the cortisol component to it. And so not every single woman fits the bill of every one of those things. There are some women who, you know, don't have any of the androgen stuff, but have a lot of cysts on their ovaries or vice versa. And so when you're looking at that, I like to use blood work for that. I like to know, you know, what's their estrogen level doing? What's their follicle stimulating hormone and their luteinizing hormone doing? What does their blood sugar look like? All of that stuff. And yeah, I mean, PCOS, I'm not going to lie, can be a little bit more of a stubborn thing, but it's definitely treatable. There's so much we can do for it. And the biggest thing with obviously PCOS for fertility is that you most PCOS patients are not ovulating. Mm-hmm. And so acupuncture can work to really fix, like I said, base, back to that pyramid, the insulin component and cortisol component and really help your body to produce the right hormones at the right time, which is like when I say I like to have them come weekly, That's really why, because, you know, estrogen's high at a certain point in the cycle, progesterone's high, you know, you ovulate at a certain point. And so it's helpful to go weekly for acupuncture so that you can hit all four of those weeks.
1: Yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay, so let's see here. 19 months postpartum, my periods are really long, like 10 to 12 days. Could acupuncture help regulate that?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So when we think about hormones too, we also have to remember that your brain, like your hypothalamus and pituitary gland are telling your ovaries what hormones to produce when. So there's this connection. It's called the HPO axis or hypothalamus pituitary ovarian axis. And so if we use needles, like I said earlier, you can actually see certain parts of the brain light up when you Mm -hmm. put certain needles in certain places. And so that's how it, it really does help that. Yeah.
1: Cool. All right. Let's see here. So for, for infertility, I tried it before, but it didn't help. Why is that? Is it the acupuncture technique? I mean, obviously, you know, this is probably like anything else. It's, you know, it's not going to work for everybody. Totally. But, you know, are there different techniques that you can use? Does that, I mean, this, I think this is kind of a loaded question because we don't probably know enough. It's probably has like so much to do with so many different things. Totally. Yeah.
0: For people who have really poor egg quality, there's things we can do depending on the level, but to a certain extent, if it's too far or too low, it's hard, right? And you kind of have to use like reproductive endocrinology techniques and things. But so that may have been why. But in terms of like needling techniques, there are different, every practitioner, just like every doctor, every surgeon is going to have different hands. So mm-hmm. if you ever go to an acupuncturist and you're like, oh my God, that was miserable. I hated that. That hurt. It was you know, not enjoyable. Don't think that that's acupuncture because there's a lot of people who use different gauge needles, thinner or thicker, depending on what you want, different needling techniques, all of that stuff. And so try a different one. I like to use really, really thin, fine needles. You don't need big, thick ones to work on women's health. If you're needling the glute muscle and trying to get a muscle contraction, you need a little bit thicker, longer needle for that. But yeah, absolutely. So if you You want to find a practitioner, just like everything that you really vibe with, like somebody that understands you, that you can talk to, that you understand, that can explain things how you need them explained. There's a wide range of acupuncturists out there. Some of them are very Western oriented. Some of them are very esoteric and spiritual. There's one for everybody. You just got to find what works for you.
1: No, that makes sense. I mean, that's the same thing for everything, for any provider I feel like, you know. I mean, if you and and if you're not feeling comfortable and you're not feeling like you're getting the care you need, you just, you know, I would suggest going to find a different one. Yeah. So, let's see here. This can be the last one. Benefits of acupuncture during IVF cycles, which we we kind of already talked about, but when so say somebody is going through IVF, what would your role be within that?
0: Yeah. So I like to, if I can get them while they're like before IVF or starting IVF, again, just weekly treatments to kind of work on what they're doing. Because, right, we're trying to like use medication to normalize a cycle. hmm with- stimulants and things like that. So weekly is great if we do not get them before that. And like I said, there's a lot of reproductive endocrinologists that'll just say, Hey, on your transfer day, like let's get some acupuncture before and after to really increase that blood flow. So a lot of them will have, like I said, acupuncturists in office or somebody that can meet you there in a room or whatever to do that, that treatment for you. And there's a specific treatment that most acupuncturists know. And you do it right before your transfer and right after your transfer to increase blood flow.
1: Yeah, really, really cool. Is there anything that you wanted to add that we didn't hit on throughout the last forty-five minutes? What do you think? Yeah, no, I'm just trying to
0: think. Yeah, you know, I just, I just want to encourage everyone to, if you're interested, give it a try. Give it a couple tries, maybe. I know for myself that when I go, if I haven't done it in a while, uh, from somebody else we're not really used to like laying on a table and breathing and just relaxing. So it might feel mm-hmm. a little uncomfortable. That's okay. You'll get used to that. And like I said, just find a practitioner, a that's, that's a licensed acupuncturist. So you want someone that's got the right education and then you want somebody who, like I said, just fits you and what you need. Uh, there's such a range out there. So go find somebody that really works for you.
1: Yeah. And I just thought of a question from, just from me. Now, when you're on the table, is how long are the needles actually there for?
0: So twenty to thirty minutes is about the average okay. time. Yeah.
1: Okay. Is there any instances where they would be in for longer, like certain conditions or certain mm. things? Or are they it's just always like twenty to thirty minutes?
0: It depends on the practitioner more than anything, I think. You know, to be honest, sometimes for when I would do like pre-birth acupuncture, I would actually mm-hmm. take them myself through like a guided meditation or visualization of their birth process. And sometimes I would let them lay there for longer, like 45 minutes if they were comfortable and, and not, you know, itching to get yeah. up. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I think if you want to do it for longer, you absolutely can. It's not harmful or anything like that. Most people are just ready to get up at 30 minutes. And that's a good amount of time.
1: Yeah. All right, so I'm going to ask you two questions. I ask all of the interviewees that I have on here. So the first question is: If you could ha- give women one piece of advice, what would it be when it pertains to mother- motherhood?
0: So my best piece of advice is to—I know it's going to sound super cliche—but to make sure that you truly are taking care of yourself. I think that so many of us feel like we need to be there all the time and present and never, you know, do self care because it feels selfish, but Your children need a mom who's taking care of themselves that's around less than one who's always around that's less present, irritable, anxious, all of those things.
1: That's 100% so true. Because, you know, you take that one hour to go get a massage and it makes you relax and you come home and you're not like this, you know, like screaming and you just feel more calm and you're just, you know, quality over quantity kind of, you know. Yeah, I totally agree with that. So the last question is, if you could make one dinner for your family that was rather quick and that everybody would eat, what would it be?
0: We pr- probably like hamburgers, honestly. That's probably yeah. the best bet. I yeah.
1: mean, those are quick and easy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> kids like kids like kids love
1: putting all the stuff on there.
0: Yeah. You know? <laughs> Not fancy, but that's probably what it would be.
1: Hey, you know what? Whatever works. I mean, I've had people come on here and just say McDonald's because that works too. <laughs> Whatever works. <laughs> You're going that extra step. You're actually making the hamburgers, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> I love it. Well, Allie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about this this topic today. I think this was great and I learned a lot and I hope that everybody listening did as well.
0: Awesome. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much.
1: Until then, don't forget to find some time to unplug, unwind, and have a little fun. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties.